This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So like I said, we are continuing our teaching on ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. And my portion here is going to be on the spirit. And I told you last time, you know, the, the things that we're going to be addressing. The first is, uh, who is responsible to lead? And, well, and actually, first, what we addressed is, who is the Holy Spirit and what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the family? And then I said after that, you know, last week after we got to the point we got to, we're going to address who's responsible to lead and how should they lead? We also said we're going to address who's responsible to follow and how should they follow. And we're going to discuss this for the husband, for the wife, and for the children. And we're going to look at what God says on his instructions on how to be loving and balanced, and balanced spiritually in the family. And, and, and see what he says that we can and cannot do because it is, after all, God's word that we're adhering to. And one other thing before I go, since we're talking about marriage and we're talking about the family, I want to say happy anniversary to the Martins. I hope y'all are enjoying yourself where y'all are. Uh, just, I'm so encouraged just when I see, you know, people that have lasted this long and continue to push forward in their marriage. 28 years, I believe. Um, so, you know, and when you see, you know, a marriage like that, it's just the, you see the spirit of God working. When you see things like that, your spirit just it just rings right with your spirit. You know, the way that the way that he he loves his family and protects him, the way that his wife submits and honors him, the way that his children obey him, the way they bring up their children. And the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and don't provoke them to wrath. That rings right with my spirit. And I believe that goes right hand in hand with what we're talking about today because they allow the spirit to lead their lives in their family. And you can witness that. Yeah, I don't live with the Martins. No, I don't. But you can see it. You can recognize it. If you have the spirit of the living God in you, you know what's right. So it rings right with my spirit. Now that brings up something I was talking to my brother earlier this week and he was upset about a few things and he was talking about how he wanted to respond I want to do this I want to do that and I let him get all that out and then I just I, of course I, I went to the word and I said you know what you should try you should try this this and that and you know he got quiet and I told him I said you know why you got quiet right because it rang right with your spirit all that other stuff you, you just got you more and more frustrated but then you got quiet because it rang right with his spirit now, at that point, you know, I don't, I don't know what he did with the situation now, but at this point, this is where you choose to be led by the Spirit. This is where you choose, where I, okay, I'm, I'm going to make growth. Because if you ignore the seed of the Word of God that's in you, you will be hindering your growth. You can't grow. So as a believer, you must learn to submit and obey to that voice of the Lord. So again, we're going to talk about what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the family. And I said my title of the message was Leadership and Submission, not by might, not by power. And we came out of the book of Proverbs first, because I wanted to talk about wisdom. And we saw in the book of Proverbs that, that wisdom is the very character of God. We can turn there real quick, because I, I want to read something about it again. Proverbs 8, it says, in verse 22, it says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning wherever the earth was. Where there were no depths, I was brought forth. You, you see, his wisdom was there even before, before the foundations of the earth. His wisdom was with him. And then he, here it is in this dispensation, and he brings this very character of himself to us through the Spirit of God. His wisdom. So that we can, what did it say in, in Proverbs 8? So we can inherit substance. So we can bring forth fruit. So we can be productive. 
It's the wisdom that facilitates your growth. And so we find out, we, we, we came up with the definition of who was the, the Holy Spirit. Who was the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to repeat that to you. We said the Holy Spirit is God's authority in you. He is the wisdom of God to you, which causes you to grow into the knowledge of Christ, that you might be effective in all good works. And like we said before, the family is a good work, and it lasts a lifetime. So the Holy Spirit is with you for a lifetime. And if the Holy Spirit is with you for a lifetime, and if you're in this union of marriage with an imperfect person, then you know that you must grow. There must be spiritual growth to be what God has called you to be in marriage. Because remember, this is His covenant. So we came up with a definition of what we want to call spiritual growth. And we said spiritual growth is a process through which the believer increases in the knowledge and understanding of their salvation. And we said this means not only knowing what salvation has done, but experiencing the changes which occur from allowing the seed of word of God to abide in you. If the word of God is in you and you have been led by the Spirit, it shouldn't be the same old, same old from when you first were, were, when you first were saved. There should be growth. It's his word that causes us and changes us to grow. It's his word that touches our heart. And then we talked about growth for a bit, and, I, and we compared it to natural growth. You know, when you're, when you're born or when you're conceived on this earth, you have to give the, proper, the, the, the body the proper nutrition and exercise and sleep that it needs to grow physically. You have to give it the correct mental learning and education for it to grow mentally. But those things grow independent of one another. And we said spiritual growth is just like that. Once, you are, once you're born again in salvation, you have to give it the proper nourishment that it needs to grow, which is the Word of God. The Word of God gives you your standards. The Word of God gives you your conviction. And again, if you're, not allow, if you're not getting into the Word of God and you're not feeding your spirit the Word of God, then it's possible to be born again, but not growing into maturity. It's possible that you're stagnant. And again, we said that growth is a natural process of everything. And, and the order of growth... The, 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 the product of growth is fruitfulness. You can't bring forth fruit without growing. You can't plant an apple tree and be like, well, I'm going to get some fruit from it. It has to grow. And we say that that fruit tells you what seed you are of. We looked at the fig tree. When Jesus came to the fig tree and saw, the, he saw the leaves and he came and saw that there was no fruit with it, he cursed it and it withered away. Because it was supposed to be bringing forth fruit in its season. It was supposed to have grown to maturity. And what did we learn from that scripture? We said that dead things don't have any, anything, any fruit to give and dead things don't grow. However, you have to quicken who were dead in our trespasses and sin. See, we're no, longer, we're no longer dead to God, but we're alive to God and now we're dead to sin. We're alive to God. So we can grow. His very authority lives within us. Guiding us, giving us his wisdom that was there from the very beginning. He knew where you would be today from the very beginning. He knew the situations you would be in today from the very beginning. He knew the decisions that you would have to make in your marriage today from the very beginning. And so from there we saw that 
there were a couple of stages of spiritual growth. I want to touch on these really quickly again before we get into some of this new information. And of course, we talked about the first one, which Mr. Stinson touched on extensively, and she did, a, like I said before, go back and listen. But we said spiritually discerned or cut off from God spiritually by choice or because they, they've yet to hear about the gospel message. And we said number two is babies. Just born again new believers. The ones that need the sincere milk of the word. The one, you know, talking about the beginnings of teachings of Christ. It, when I was going through the beginning teachings of Christ and, you know, the, the sincere milk of the word, it makes, us think, makes me think of our new members class. Now, now here's the thing about the, the milk of the word. You're supposed to always keep that on your remembrance. That's why it's required that we, we go through new members at least once a year. You've got to keep that in your remembrance. But at some point, you have to start growing up. Now, the next stage we went to was children. And I want to I tell you this. I want you to understand this. You don't have to go to the children's stage. And what did we say the children were? We said those are the carnal or childish believers. But pretty much everybody goes through this stage. You don't have to, but pretty much everybody does. And this is just for my, my person. I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying you did or you have. I'm saying pretty much everybody does. That doesn't, that doesn't encompass everybody. But I, I'm going to tell you this. I, I went through that stage. Carnal, childish. Won't grow up. But you, look, but you think, oh, I, I know the sincere milk of the word. I know that he's died for me, that he was resurrected. I know the doctrine of baptism. But do you understand all this? See, because you haven't begun to walk in it. Think they're grown. Not fruitful, lacking understanding, can't commit to anything, not disciplined, preoccupied with the cares of this world and the lust of the flesh, allowing the word to be choked out of them. Always wanting to do what seems so easy to our flesh, you know, the works of the flesh. Pick your poison. And those that do that will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, if you're doing those things and you're not feeling the conviction of the Lord about it, you may not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you because He's going to let you know some things. Or you may not have been giving yourself the Word of God that you need. You may be stuck. You may be stagnant. You may be a childish or carnal believer. But as you grow, you begin to put away those childish things. You begin to mature. Yeah, when you mature, guess what? You start making mature decisions. For you and your family. And then we went to number four, which is the mature man. And like I said before, I said the perfect man. It says into a perfect man in the scriptures, but for the sake of everybody's sanity, I'm saying the mature man. And we said the mature man is one who understands and walks in the milk of the word and has moved on to the meat of the word. And we said that the meat of the word has to do with learning, the pur- learning how to walk in the purpose of Christ. Being devoted to the cause of Christ. Selling out to his purpose. It takes us away from the concerns of, of ourselves and what we want. And it, it, it puts our focus on the, on the needs of others. The concerns of others. The, the, the desires of others. We're, we're, we're in a place where we're like, I want to be fruitful so that I can be a blessing to someone else. Understanding, understanding that fruit from my tree is not for me. It's for somebody else. It's every joint supplies. You, you know, faith working through love. Every joint supplying. Working through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, the fruit of the Spirit. 
thinking about that fruit of the Spirit, you know, I think about what Matthew says. It says, love the Lord God with all, and then love thy neighbor. On these two things hang all the prophets and all the law. Love, it hangs on all the, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And, and we learn, you know, love thy neighbors. Your, your closest neighbors are your family. So the mature man is looking for ways to give themselves to others for the cause of Christ. And, and you know, Christ, the, the, the hope of Christ is, listen, he wished that none should perish. None should, he wished that none be passed through the fire. He laid down his life. But no matter what the stage you're in spiritual, spiritually on your growth, the proper diet, your growth is dependent on the proper diet. And the proper diet can only be given by God. And that comes from his word. So if you're not getting the proper diet, your spirit man will be malnourished. Now I said last week, and we're going to get into this new information, that I wanted everybody to take the time and identify and recognize what stage you're in spiritually. And that takes courage to really that takes courage to really step up and admit where you are. Examine yourself. Because you have the spirit of the living God in you, and you know what's right and what's wrong. So I told everybody to assess themselves. And I said, once you've seen where you are, now, starting today, we're going to address the first of our questions. In the family, who is responsible to lead and how they how should they lead? So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to start, I'm going to say verse 2. Yes, verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, in that scripture, and I want you to, I want you to understand where it says man and woman, it's not talking about just a man and any woman. Okay, get that in your head. We're talking about the family, and God's family, it starts with the covenant of marriage. He's talking about the husband and the wife. In that scripture anywhere, does it say, if your husband was just born again, and you've been walking with me for a long time, then you can come up and you can be head. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a question for the wives. Now I'm, now I'm asking the husband. Husband, anywhere in that scripture, does it say, well... You know, I just, I'm just a newborn, born-again believer, but I know my wife has been walking with the, with the Lord, so I'm going to let her lead. I'm going to relinquish my lead. It doesn't say that. It says, the head of every man is Christ. So that means the man must submit to Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. Uh, the man that is submitted to Christ. So then she could submit. Because see, this is, there's a divine order in marriage. There's a, let me put it like this, there's a delegated authority. And, and you know, God, there's a purpose for everything God does. There's a reason there's a delegated authority. Because it keeps order. 
and then purpose is fulfilled. But before we get deep into that, I want to I want to we're talking about who you know what the head is. You know, it says the head of uh, the head of the woman is the man, and you know the head of the man is Christ. What is headship? What does it mean to to lead, as we're saying? So here's here's a definition that I've come up with, just you know, putting a, a few things together, and it says to lead means the first to act, the first to teach, to be an example or a guide for others. It's to shoulder the responsibility and the direction of the family. Listen, it means the first to love. I'm going to say that again. The lead means the first to act. The first to teach. To be an example or a guide for others. It's to shoulder the responsibility and the direction of the family. It means the first to love. And and on that note, the first to love, I have to go over to Romans chapter 8. Because, you know, when I think about the marriage, I can't help but think about Christ in the church. And I can't help and think about what God has done, what what Christ has done for us. So in Romans 8 verse 29 it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, he came and laid down his life to be the firstborn. And when I say laid down his life, this is what he did. He was the first to lead. He was the first to love. He was the first to act. He was the first to teach. He, laid, he came and laid down his life for us, and he became the elder, the first, the eldest. And when I say the elder, I mean in this, in this church, he's the high priest. Why am I saying that? Because in your home, you're the eldest. In your home, you're the high priest of your home. Men, head. You know, I think of him being the first to love. And I think of that song, Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved me. If it wasn't for his love, I wouldn't even be able to love him. That's what the the husband must do for his family. He must love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You have to lay down your life for your family. You have to wash your your wife with the water of the word. Uh, You have to be first to love. You know, first to show the fruits of the Spirit in your home. But I said, I said it a moment ago, God has a divine order. He set things in order from the beginning. I, I love this so much. From the very beginning, because he knew this, you know, without order there's chaos, there's discord. So it, it, it seems fit that we go back to the very beginning. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Because we're going to look about, we're going to chase this thing down about headship and leadership. Because, you know, in the scriptures it says, uh, you know, after the fall of man that, that, that the, the husband would rule over the wife. And a lot of people think, well, you know, the headship thing came in as a result of the fall of man. Okay, we'll see. Because we're going to look at the beginning of Jesus. I mean, the beginning of Genesis. And it's so amazing to me, you know, reading over this in Genesis, 
you can really, even from the first few books, you can really get a picture of the whole Bible. You really can. You can get a picture of the redemption plan. Uh, and now, now don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can pick it up as the first time and read one through three and like, I understand it. No, you have to meditate over his whole word. But then you, when you come back, you, you begin to see it's all right here. From the very beginning, it's all right here. So we're going to go to Genesis 1, and we're going to start at verse 26. And I want you to understand, during this creation, everything that God created was good. And I just want you to remember that. Everything he created was good. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So I, I, I do want you to note here again, and we've discussed this before, I want you to know right here, God created male, he created man here, male and female. They've both been created. That's what the scripture says. So get out of your mind, you know, headship, leadership, superiority, that women was made after me. He created them both. Male and female created he them. Keep that in your mind. And there was a commandment there. God said unto him, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, now here's what I want to do, because, you know, just trying to fathom what's going on here. When you jump over to chapter 2, it, it kind of baffles my mind. Chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. So wait a minute. He created man, and then he took him and put him in the garden. So he's already created male. He's already created female. Then he took the man and put him in the garden. Now, in my mind already, God already knows Adam's going to need a help meet. But the help meet's not there yet. He didn't create man and woman, and he didn't take male, female, and put them both in the garden. He took the man and put him into the garden to dress and to keep it. And then he gave a commandment. I want you to understand, there's a command, there's, listen, there's the voice of the Lord going forth. There's a command coming from the Lord, and only the male is there. And the Lord God commanded, or charged the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not that good that man... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him, make him and help me for him. So I, I want you to understand here. God is, this is what you want to call Adam's maturity test. He's placed Adam in the garden. He told him, dress it and keep it. Then he comes back and tells Adam, listen, I'm going to give you a commandment. And I want you to follow this. You can eat from any tree in the garden except the one in the midst of the garden. If you eat of that, you shall surely die. And why does God give man, or Adam, this command or charge? And listen, this is all before a wife comes. This is all before. Why did he give him this charge? 
because he wanted to see Adam's obedience. He wants Adam to grow. He wants Adam to mature. Because you know what? Maturity comes, listen, in wisdom, in obedience, your understanding, it won't come until you start to walk in it. And then you'll begin to understand it. All you need now is obedience. So he wants to see Adam's obedience. And I want you to understand this. We, we, until we obey the voice of the Lord, there's no way we can grow into completion. When we hear his voice and obey it immediately, there's no way we can't grow into completion until we start doing that. When God commands, we must listen and obey. In John 10 it says, My sheep hear my voice, and others they will not follow. That here means they understand my voice. Listen, how, how do you know when your, your children hear you? They obey your voice. Even if they audibly hear you, if, if they didn't move, they must not have heard me. They must not have understood what I said. It's time to get up and move with haste. So what, what's the voice of the Lord? It is His wisdom. It's His very instruction. It's His very Spirit. That is the voice of God in you. In, that, in, in uh, Proverbs 8, it says, Hear instruction, be, be wise, and refuse it not. That means hear it and be wise. That means apply it. Walk in it. That's all wisdom is. You get the knowledge and understanding. That's wisdom. Understanding is walking in it. Applying it. Then you'll understand it. Uh, you know, I remember when I first started on my, my weight loss journey, I did not want to do any type of workout. And I was like, give me the quick fix. Why does everybody, why does the doctor keep telling me I need to do this, X, Y, Z, Z? I didn't understand it until I started doing the work. And then I understood it. See, until you walk in the work the Lord has for you, you won't understand it. Quit trying to get an understanding beforehand and be like, okay, now I get it so I can do it. Walk in it and you'll get your understanding. So I want you to know this. Adam listened to the instruction of the Lord, and when he heard it, he obeyed it. And, 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 that, and that's the thing about Adam. You have to understand, time is transpiring here. He's spending time with God. He told him to dress and keep. Then he came back later and gave him a commandment. Dressing and keeping starts. He's spending time with God. Then he's spending time with God, naming, naming all the animals. There's a lot of animals. There's a lot of... There's a, he's spending time with God. Hearing the voice of the Lord. Growing. Listen. Hearing the voice of the Lord and obeying. Every, every command he gave, he heard it and obeyed it. All this, listen. He heard the voice of the Lord before he got a wife. See, God was making, he was making sure Adam's relationship was right with him first. He was making sure, he was making sure, listen, he was making sure he was equipped to lead. See, hear my instruction and be wise first. And now your relationship is right with me, now there's something for you. Because guess what? I know you need to help me. 
Adam was out there naming you know, all the animals and stuff, and he came to a realization. God had told him the commandments from before as well. You have to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He came to a realization. First off, this is too much for me to do myself, and by myself, I can't be fruitful. By myself, I can't replenish the earth. I can't, most, I can't do the commands of the Lord by myself. He wanted to make sure that Adam was faithful with a little before he gave him everything. See, in order to lead in your home, in order to lead anything, husband... First, you have to be near to Christ. You have to hear the voice of the Lord. You have to walk with Him like Adam walked with Him in the cool of the day. You have to hear His instruction and you have to obey. You have to submit to Christ's leadership. See, you think submission is just for your wife? No, you have to be, hey, here's another one. First to submit. Has to have the husband has to have his head covered. Uh, that's and that's one thing you know. I, I want to get out of people's heads. You know, a lot of people think about Adam and the fallen man. Listen, because you put in that same position, you wouldn't have did no better. Listen, he walked with God. He spent time with God. Adam was God's first man. He put him on the earth. He, walked, he spent time with them. Listen, he knew the voice of the Lord. That's why when it came to him after the fall, he knew who it was. Don't be so quick to judge Adam. He walked with God. Listen, he listened and obeyed. Verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make and help me for him. Now, did he, I want you to understand, he said, I will make and help me for him because female has been created already. He didn't say I'm creating again. He created male and female already. So, so he didn't go back to the dust of the ground. I don't have to do that no more. Male and female are created. He put Adam in a deep sleep. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Uh, you see, it doesn't say, it doesn't say that, the, 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 that the, the woman shall leave their father and mother. It says, no, the man has to. You know why? He has to be first to love. He has to cleave to her first. He has to show her the fruit first. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, it's amazing here that God didn't come back and say, Now, that woman is here, that the female is here. He didn't come back and say, Here's my instruction again. He gave his instruction already. To the male. So what did he expect of the male? He... Uh, just, just like he, uh, Adam and Eve were a lone creation, they have to procreate from now on. God is not creating it no more. That, listen, that knowledge I gave you, I'm not commanding no more. You need to teach. First to teach. 
It's on you. This is your responsibility. That, that's why I was preparing you before. Dressing and keeping and naming things. Listen, you have to be first to teach. I'm not going back to my original instruction. You have that. Teach it. The first in all things, family. First to teach. You know, I, I think about you know relationships. I think about my relationship with my wife and how I've learned so much over the years. You know, whatever you show up to bring, you're going to get. And this is what I mean. You know, if I show up to my wife with attitude, guess what I get? I get the attitude. But let's say she had attitude. And I show up with goodness, kindness, love, mercy, the fruit of the Spirit. Then guess what? Guess what? It gets diffused. Then I start getting that back. Now we can, com- we can communicate. If you're having trouble communicating in your marriage, guess what? Somebody's not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And let me tell you something, husband. I'm coming to you first. Because guess who God is going to come to first? Guess who has to be first to act? Guess who has to teach it? Not just in word, but in your deeds. You have to walk it. So he didn't go back. He didn't go back to the dust. He didn't go back to the commandments. Adam was first to teach. Uh, what equipped him? He, had, he spent time with God before then. All that time spent with God. And God watched him as he obeyed, as he learned and obeyed. He was equipped. He was equipped to teach. God made sure of that. All of that was his maturity test. And his obedience saw he's maturing. He's growing. Now what I originally had for him from the beginning, it's time. Because he's going to need help to be fruitful and multiply. Because now he's ready to be fruitful. So now we're going to get into, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 1 through 8, and then I'm going to jump to verse 16. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth, know, God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. <clears throat> and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed the fig leaves together, and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Now, <clears throat> verse 6 there. It's, it's so amazing to me that Eve took this fruit and gave it to Adam. Hold your finger there. Go over to First Timothy real quick. 
First Timothy chapter two, verse verse thirteen. Actually, yeah, verse thirteen. For Adam was. Let, let me read verse twelve too. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. What? So, so wait a minute. So you knew what was going on. Leader. First to obey, first to teach. You knew what was going on. And the woman being deceived was in, was in transgression, was in sin. So Adam, you, you knew what was going on. So you willingly followed your wife. You relinquished your lead. You gave it up. Right there in front of her, when you saw her talking to the serpent, it should have been cut short right there. You already heard the voice of the Lord. There shouldn't be another that you should follow. You knew the voice of the Lord. You walked with him. And of course, what did Adam do? Of this woman you gave me. But you relinquish your lead. Uh, God says later on, because you didn't do what I commanded you, Adam. Because the charge was to you. You're supposed to teach. That was a teaching moment for Eve when she was with the serpent. He's supposed to teach because he knows what the voice of the Lord was. Uh, Eve knew because he told her, but now it's time to, it's time to apply. Listen, it's time for an understanding why. It's time to walk in it. In verse 16, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Hold on one second. I think I want to. No, yeah, there we go. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and, and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So this is after the fall. And, and let me tell you what that word desire means, because I want to clear this up. <clears throat> so I looked up the Hebrew meaning of that word, and it's pronounced teshuka. And that, that word teshuka or desire there means longing to control. So, so let me read that again. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and they shall... And thy shall long to control your husband. And he shall rule over thee. And, and that rule over thee, it means dominate. See, the fall of man, it didn't, listen, it didn't bring forth the, the head as the, the, the head being the husband. The fall of man brought forth the, the battle of the sexes. Because it's all out of order now. See, Eve stepped out of order. Uh, Adam allowed her to. He pulled himself out of order. And now, it's, now this is what you, the battle of the sexes started. And so much more. That's just one of the side effects in your marriage. See, that's the effect of sin on God's order. See, Satan's temptation came up and it threw it all out of whack. See, I want you to know, because Adam, Adam heard the voice of the Lord, and he obeyed it, but when it comes down to it again, no matter how many times you obey God, you still have a choice to disobey one time. But again, you have to quicken. He's given you the ability to be led by his very own wisdom, by the spirit of the living God within you. 
Now we got power struggles in homes. Where husband and wife struggle to see who's, who's the lead. Well, I make more than you. I do more than you. I'm this, I'm that. Without and, and there's been generations of leadership not being in homes and not being where they're supposed to be. All because of sin. Because of one choice. See, I don't want you to focus on Adam's one choice because you have that one choice. It's so important that we stay in the position God has put us in because he's equipped us for it. And, and, and the world just adopts this from... In any institution you see, there's always a lead because it brings about order. That, listen, they get that from the Bible. You talk about, you know, in businesses, and schools, and militaries. There's always a head. Uh, you talking about in church? He intended for the husband to lead to achieve purpose. A lot of people think that leadership in marriage means inequality. The husband's superior. But leadership is needed to bring about good order. It brings about discipline so that purpose can be fulfilled. So if leadership is a must in order for purpose to be fulfilled, then guess what? Submission is a must in order for purpose to be fulfilled. And like I said before, submission in all roles, starting with the first to submit, fathers, heads, husbands, leaders. Because remember, the marriage, the covenant of God, family, the, the way the family gets started, it's supposed to represent something. It's supposed to represent Christ in the church. So if, if you know that, then we should know exactly what the leadership should look like from a husband or from, from a father and a husband. We should know exactly how we should love our wives and raise our children. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.